Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look, Sure Listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look. Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure Look, Sure Listen. Sure, look at Ben this week. There's not much news going on, so we are going to be taking a look at the new Masters of the Universe trailer, Ben, for Masters of the Universe Revelations Part 1, which I tried to say incorrectly, but I accidentally said correctly. And then, Ben, we're going to take a look at Loki Episode 4, which is brimming over the cup, Ben. The cup brimmeth over with mythological and comic book references. So much going on, Michael. And sure, listen, if that wasn't enough... Which it isn't. Which it isn't. Today is July the 4th, Michael, so we've decided as the main topic for the day to take a look at the history of Russia as portrayed in American comic books. Why bloody not? The irony, Ben, is an absolute delicious lamenti. It's quite nice, isn't it, Michael? Let's get into it. Very good, Benjamin. Look, Benjamin, we haven't covered it in our little initial intro blurb there, but The Tomorrow War came out with one young Christopher Prattenstein, and... Uh, I don't know if anyone's seen or enjoyed it. I don't think anybody has, Michael. I think it's the first film to not get a single watch. Nobody in the universe has watched it, Ben. I forgot it was out. You forgot it was out. Um, and you know what I won't be doing, Michael? What? I won't be travelling to the future to see it then either. Um, Benjamin. Yes. This evening, in honour of the 4th of July, I might make some popcorn and some hot dogs and have some milk duds and maybe a Pepsi Max and watch The Tomorrow War, which I, I imagine is a celebration of American defeating aliens. Yeah! Uh, yeah, we've done it for freedom and capitalism. They already made that film, Michael. It was called Independence Day, and I think it was probably infinitely better than Tomorrow War, which is saying something. Independence Day is an all-time classic, Benjamin. I will is have it? You take... Yes, absolutely. Independence Day is an all-time classic. It taught us everything about computer viruses, about Jeff Goldblum, <laughs> about uh, using crop dusters to fight aliens. It was, yeah... Independence Day is an excellent film. Okay, I'll take that back then. I'll, I'll let you have that. You I'll should. let you have that. Benjamin. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of large, heavily muscled men. Oh, yeah. The big muscular boys. The big muscular men, Benjamin. Benjamin, the original toy line by Kenner in the 80s was yeah. called Masters of the Universe. Well, there you go. And He-Man was undoubtedly the main character as he was based on the ever popular at that time, Conan the Barbarian. Yes, Coban the Barbarian. Yeah, and then obviously the cartoon became much more He-Man. Yes, and he- also the Masters of the Universe. <laughs> He-Man. That's not not exactly spot on, Ben. Oh, no, it but, is. But, yeah, Benjamin, there's a trailer for the new one. And yeah. it looks like at least in one episode, He-Man's going to be the baddie. Yep, a classic, a classic. Oh, no, he's turned evil. How do I fight my my deepest friend? Mm. And, Ben, it looks like he might represent tos- toxic masculinity. I think there's going to be an awful lot of toxic masculinity here. It looks like, Michael, and you'll forgive yes. me You'll forgive me here now for making a little prediction. It looks Benjamin. like Teela's going to step up and take the the title role here, Michael. Looks like Teela's the main character to me, to my eye. Looks like Teela's the main character. That was heavily hinted at, Michael, in Kevin Smith's breakdown of the trailer, because this is done by Kevin Smith. And he gave a little uh, Netflix drop-in to give us a breakdown of that first trailer and talk about the direction he's taking He-Man in. And, oh, Michael, oh, Michael, yes. the yes, internet didn't like it. Classic the like, internet. <laughs> I read the comments under that video, and it was just like, "If Tila, if Tila gets main billing, I'm out. 
<laughs> it's just like, oh, the, wow, to be threatened by <laughs> the possibility of a female character being the lead in your beloved muscular action figure toy line uh, cartoon was hilarious to me. Benjamin. Um, yeah. Benjamin. Tina looks quite um, traditionally masculine. She does. She's a she's a she's, she's, she's a muscles. Mm. Yeah, she's got it was not a herbo because I, I doubt she's very bimboish, but she's she's a big, strong lady. Yeah, she's got the muscles, Ben. She's got the angular face. She's got a much less feminine face than Prince Adam. Uh, Prince Adam's got an awful soft face. Yeah, he's got a very soft face, like a young Benjamin Colopy. Like a young Benjamin Colopy. Uh, Michael, one of the interesting things that we're seeing here is they're going to split the sword of power. Oh. Uh, we see in the, the the latest trailer, which dropped yesterday, Michael, so we're actually on the cusp of pop culture news for a change. Wow. Uh, it, well, it dropped two days ago from when you were listening. But anyway... They're splitting the sword in two and Teela's going to get one half and bloody Adam's going to get the other. Is um, that what's going to happen? Well, that's what we saw, Michael. We saw we saw her fighting with one half of the bloody... What, what's it called? Does it have a special name? Sword of Power. It's just called the Sword of Power. Excellent. Well, it's one half of the Sword of Power. And she's fighting with that. Kevin Smith has hinted, Michael, that there's going to be a cataclysm at the end of part one. Um, I believe that's pronounced cataclysm. Cataclysm, sorry. Yes. There's going to be a rather large cataclysm. Uh, sorry, yeah. a rather large cataclysm. Very good, And yeah. that, that's going to happen. And my prediction is, Michael, we're going to get rid of He-Man. Oh. Is he going to die? Is he going to make the big sacrifice? Benjamin. The end of part one. Benjamin. Yes. I have one issue and one issue alone Go with on. the concept of Tila being the main character of this show. Okay. And... It's here's my issue, Ben. Here's the issue, and this is the issue on its own. Yes. Is that Shira already exists? Yes, she does. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and you know she's already there. She's already doing that. There's already yeah. a cartoon series. It's quite good. <laughs> we it's a whole thing on Netflix. It's a whole thing. It's already on Netflix. It already exists. I mm, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a continuation of the original series again, Michael. Oh, it has been confirmed, sorry, to be an absolute continuation of the original series. Um, oh, good, because when the original series wrapped up, Ben, I did wonder where it was going to go. I didn't. Um, no, not either did I. <laughs> so, I mean, it's such a tonal shift, Michael, isn't it? It's it's the DC Universe reboot of, of He-Man, where everything's a bit grim and gritty. Very good. There's no more magic, and only we can bring back magic. I don't want to bring back magic. I'd print her off without magic. But and we Teela's have to bring back magic. <laughs> Teal was the Teela. best of us. <laughs> Yeah, it does. Just... It does look a bit grim and serious. Oh, and I, I, you know, I find it really funny because uh, Kevin Smith quite often makes things that make fun of those grim and gritty reboots. Like his entire Jay and Silent Bob two movie was making fun of the concept of reboots and and you know gr- grim and gritty reboots and this kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, oh, I'm gonna do one myself in yeah. the Netflix well, form. You say that, Ben, but they say there is an old saying, Ben. Don't judge a book by its cover. But you can judge it by its teaser trailer yeah. and trailer. Yeah, well, Ben, I think the 21st century equivalent is don't judge a film by its teaser trailer. Fair. Because then, Ben, Suicide Squad would have been quite good. <laughs> if only. If imagine. Only. Imagine if that uh, had been good. Imagine a world where that wasn't an extended MTV music video. But it, look, there's no need to go back and talk about that again. But... It might be much more comical and light when when it gets to the actual show. Are we going to get the air cut of Suicide Squad soon, do you think? I, I do not think so. I, I think we're more likely to get the Snyder cut of uh, Sucker Punch, to be honest. Benjamin! <laughs> yeah. 
That's not what we're talking about, though. We're talking about the fact that, for me, this trailer gave me very Castlevania vibes. Very Castlevania, Michael. They're obviously making a lot of headway in the old Netflix anime department. Hmm. Um, and I, th- I think they are. I think the the Netflix series or the Castlevania series was an unexpected sleeper hit. So much so, Michael, that I, uh, staunch anti anime activist, hmm. uh, watched the entire thing and enjoyed it thoroughly. I have seen all four Benjamin. seasons. Benjamin. Yeah. I propose a new term to describe this kind of Western anime phenomenon. Go on. I think we shall call it Wamame. Wamame. I'm, I'm yeah. down for that. Okay, that's what we'll call it from now on. There already may be a, a whole community existing, Ben, but we've come up with that and we'll fight anyone who denies it. Yep, that's us. In in 10 years' time, when it's a standard thing, uh, and it says, I'm with the Wanabu, we call it that, we can yeah, get away yeah. with that somewhere, we'll be able to say that was us. That was sure yeah, yeah, we, invent- we invented it. We'll okay. fight anyone who disagrees with us, as long as they don't have a sword. Well, a big, Mikkel, huge sword. <laughs> a big, fight. huge sword twice as long as their body. Mikkel if they have you. that on... Ben, if they have that, if they have a big, huge sword twice as long as their body, I'm not fighting them. Well, no, but they, they're they not fighting you either, because you can't pick that up, because it's not an actual Benjamin. anime, Michael. Benjamin, if they, have a mis- <laughs> if they have a mysterious backstory, I'm not fighting them either, because then they probably have... <laughs> They've got secret potential. powers yeah, yeah, that I'm you not didn't that. know about, Michael. Nah, nah. <laughs> I'm only fighting them if they're a little cat person. And then your bloody Kiai. Yeah, or a wizard shop. with a wizard hat. A big old wizard. Oh, you can take a wizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can it's take easy. a wizard. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of wizards. Oh, go on. What a segue. <laughs> Was it, though? No, it's terrible. <laughs> One of the worst segues of all time. Benjamin. <laughs> we have another very, very popular segment on this show. You call it the fuckery. I do. <laughs> Benjamin. Yeah. The television program Loki. Yes, Loki. Loki, Ben. Holy moly, Ben, has this been on a, a roller coaster ride of public reaction? Michael, it feels like this show has been on for much longer than just four episodes. <laughs> it's only been four episodes. <laughs> this show feels like it's been running for seasons. Yeah. Um, the total shifts, Michael. All over the place. Of ben. this show. <laughs> Christ. So much happening. Oh, I. Do you know what, Michael? This is interesting. This was simultaneously one of the most disappointing and one of the most enjoyable episodes I've seen so far. I was so conflicted throughout. Enjoy um, a pointing, I believe they call it. Enjoy a pointing. I, I think some of the moments in that show are so unearned in this episode, Michael. There are certain moments here that just don't merit the reaction All they right. get from characters. All right. You you calm your jets down there a second. Yeah, I'm cooling myself off. I'm cooling myself off. Because you're about to launch into spoilers. And you I haven't. I haven't. Spoil- I was very carefully choosing diplomatic language that did not give anything away. Benjamin. Yes. Why don't you give us a little spoiler warning for Loki season episode four? Let's call it Loki season four because that's what it feels like. <laughs> Loki season four. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's spoilers. Spoilers. Listen away now if you don't want Loki spoilers. Yeah, but don't li- don't stop listening because that's bad for our metrics. Just fast forward. Just skip ahead. Just skip ahead. There are time codes in the description as always. If you're on YouTube, Benjamin. I don't think if you're. Does it work on no, Spotify? No, they're always there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, class. Are, yeah, 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 yeah. Just click the time day. codes in the description. Just click the time codes. Uh, Benjamin. <laughs> what? <laughs> twist and turns, Ben. Twist and turns akimbo. In in a ah, my God. like a contortionist's legs, Ben. Much going on. I mean, we got we got a couple of big cameos. This episode, Michael. Um, mostly Lady Sif. She's bloody back. It's Return of the Sif. There she is, Ben. I'm putting her up on the screen for you. Return of the Sif. 
And uh, yeah, she's back. She's a bizarre cameo where she's uh, a memory one of, construct. One of the strangest cameos of all time, Ben. Yeah, just weird. Because let's just be honest. Weird. We let's be honest, Ben. Jamie Alexander, the actress who plays the the good lady Sif. Yeah, she's not okay. She's not bloody. She's not Helena Bonham Carter. She's not. No. Uh, <laughs> that was my. That was the first one I could that think. Was that was interesting. A list actress. A little, slightly out of touch, I feel. You're a little out slightly, of touch. Slightly out of touch. She's no Ben. She's no Charlize Theron. There she's, we go. That's a bit better. She's, yeah, she's no um, Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, Ben. She's... Who Who are actresses in demand, Ben? Uh, that's a great question. We've got Gal Gadot. She's no Gal Gadot. There you go. Although, there you go. That's, that might be a bit close to the bone for, for Jamie Alexander. But even though she isn't the biggest superstar in the world... If that scene is the only thing they brought her back for, it's it's a bit of a, a bit of a power move, isn't it? Bit of a kick in the balls, Michael Horn might kick say. In the balls, ben, <laughs> if you, if you um, look, it's definitely not. I think you're probably going to see Sif in in Love and Thunder. I think this might be the inkling to the return of of Lady Sif. I I think we'll probably see her in Love and Thunder. Uh, Two years from now, twenty twenty two, is that when that's coming out? <laughs> Bloody who knows, Ben. I don't know anymore. I will, don't know. Will Films, Black Widow have come out by then? I don't I hope not. Um I don't want to go see that film. But anyway, we'll get into that later. Um Michael it's such a strange cameo where Loki simultaneous simultaneously seems to be trapped in his own memory mm. but can influence it. Yes. And does so several times. But never yeah. successfully. Never successfully. He gets caught out every time because the loop just resets even if he does win. Mm. He has one moment of winning and then Mobius pops in and he's like, did you mean what you said? And we have mm. the, the whole conversation there. So, Benjamin. Yeah. Tell us about the story of Loki cutting Sif's hair. Yeah, so th- there's a big mythic reference to that. She's, she says, he, you've done this, you you weasel. And it's a reference a to this. There's a very famous uh, tale in the... Norse saga, the the Edda, where Loki slips on in while while the good lady Sif is sleeping with her her good man Thor because they're uh, the traditional pairing in Norse mythology, and he cuts off Sif's beautiful golden hair. Oh, she doesn't have beautiful golden hair though. She doesn't, Michael. Uh, but she cuts off he cuts off Sif's beautiful golden hair, and this is the story that leads to Mjolnir being created because in response to that, Thor. Figures out that it's Loki pretty instantaneously. He goes, oh, well, there's only one prick that'll try that. Mm, I tell you. Loki. Uh, Loki. And he goes and he finds himself Loki and he says, yeah, come here to me, brother. Come here. Come here, twat. And he gives him a, a good rough shaking. Uncle, he usually. Says, he says, you'll fix this, right? Mm. And Loki goes, yep, yep. I like all my teeth where they are. I'll fix it. So he pops off to two different families of dwarves, Michael. Uh, the sons of Etri, and mm-hmm. I forget the other pair. I'm sorry, I forget the other pair, Michael. But one is the sons of Etri, and the other is... The other lads. The other lads. Anyway, what he does is he says, Come here to me, I was in the workshop of the Etri lads there the other day, and they were making the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Oh, very clever. And these other dwarves go, get, get fucked. We can make better shit than the Etri lads. And he goes, mm. well, you know, proof is in the pudding, lads. You can either... Show it off to us there, or you know, I'm just gonna have to not believe you. So the dwarves mm. go right. I tell you what, I will make you 
three gifts fit oh. for the gods that are oh, unbelievably cool. And Loki goes, all right, do. And then he goes off to the sons of Etri and he says, here, come here, dude. The other lads over there, they're making gifts for the gods. They're trying to trying to show you up. And they're like, oh, get fucked. Uh, mm. So they go about and they fix this. So anyway, um, the, the, the other lads start making their gifts and then the sons of Etri start to make a couple of gifts. And the greatest gift they're going to make is a hammer, Michael. Oh, and a belt. And a, they make a belt of power as well, Michael. So they make a hammer and that hammer will soon be known as Mjolnir. But... The, one of the things that people always ask is, why is the handle so short on that war hammer? It's more like a mallet. It's more like a war mallet. Um, and there's a reason for that, Michael. It's because Loki's a bollocks. Um, so when the brothers are, are filming, the, uh, when the brothers are making the hammer, one brother says to the other, he says, look, whatever you do, when yeah. you're using that bellows on the fire to keep it roasting hot... Don't fuck it, right? You have to stay focused. You have to stay on it. If you don't, this isn't going to turn out right. And so the brother goes, no, I won't fuck it. It's grand. Don't don't worry about it. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no. Okay. No. Now, what we don't know, Michael, and what I yes. forgot to tell you, and that's the reason we don't know, because I'm a terrible storyteller and I forgot a key part is, yes, the sons of Etri are no dopes. And they were like, this sounds like a bit of God of mischiefness. Mm-hmm. This sounds like you're stacking us against our brothers over there uh, and uh, you're trying to get something for nothing, Loki. And I don't like it. And Loki says, no, 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 no. I swear on my head. uh, You know, I swear on my head that I'm not trying to trick you. And the brothers go, all right, grand. If you are tricking us and if this is a trick, uh, I'm going to take your head. I'm going to cut your head clean off your shoulders. So obviously this is not really in Loki's favor because he's bound himself as a god to this promise and pact. So he says, right, I tell you what, I'm going to make a shit gift so they don't win the competition. And that means that they can't cut my head off. So he turns himself into a, a horsefly, Michael. No, oh, he's always at it. He's always at it. A little transformative uh, whirly gig. And he transforms himself into a horsefly. And while the brother is furiously working the bellows, trying to make the, the flame burn as hot as possible, he flies down there, gives him a bite rooney right oh, on the eyelid. Ah, oh. Ben, yeah. is there anything worse than being interrupted while you're furiously working the bellows? <laughs> uh, no, not really. It's very shocking. Um, so anyway, Michael, needless to say, the hammer gets botched. It ends up with a shorter handle. And that's why Mjornir has a short handle. So anyway, they go back to the gods. Um, the first thing that is made, the most important thing that is made in terms of this tale, is that they make magical hair for Sif to replace the hair oh, that's very been good. cut off. Um, ah. So they make magical hair for Sif and they give it back to her. Uh, the other things that were made were um, <clears throat> ooh, the famous spear that Odin uses that never misses the mark. Gungnir. Gungnir. Oh, very good, Michael. Very good. Day. Oh, it is not. There's a magical boar that's given to the Lady Frigga. Yeah, I forget his name. God damn it. I can't remember the boar's name. There's a magical boar. There's some golden ring bands, Michael, that double themselves every night. So they oh, can, that they, sounds valuable. They, have, they add an infinite store to Odin's uh, wealth. There's the, Ben. Yes. Ben. Yes. I think whoever came up with that idea didn't understand the idea of exponentials because that would get out of control very quickly. I know. You'd have way too many rings. Benjamin, it would take over the entire universe in a couple of months. Yeah. Too many rings spoil the coffers, Michael. You know yourself. Yeah. And the universe. And the universe. Um, so that's the first three, Michael. And the last three gifts that were given were uh, the ship that Balder took, which is a tiny folding ship. And if you unfold it, it turns into a giant ship. 
Oh, Baldur's Folding Ship. Baldur's Folding Ship. The classic Baldur's Folding Ship. You used to be able to send away for it in the back of a comic book when they sold you all those acne products. Mm. Um, mm. Then the second last thing, Michael, is the power belt that Thor would wear that gives him his tremendous strength. And finally, Mjolnir. Yeah. Oh, Mjolnir. So in the original uh, Mythic Saga, Loki is almost directly responsible for the creation of Mjolnir. His most Benjamin, that's all. that spins out a lot from just having a jape about cutting her hair. It does, doesn't it? It does quite a lot. Benjamin. Yeah. But this episode is full of twists and turns. It is, Michael. It is. Um, and you've written here, Ben, Disney World. And what does that mean? So, Michael, the, the big reveal is that the timekeepers are animatronics. The big reveal that shocked, I don't think, anybody at this point. Not a single um, person was shocked. Not not since Wizard of Oz has anyone been fooled by the, these are the mysterious masters of this thing and you can't see them, only certain people can see them. Ever mm. since the Wizard of Oz, nobody has believed a word of that particular story. Um, and it's revealed by Sylvie, who, in a fit of rage, chucks her sword or one of the deletions staffs at them cuts the head off and it turns out to be a weird Disney animatronic it's just a Disney world I get you now yeah it's just a Disney world and I, you get me now so uh, Michael that leaves us with the classic Marvel Cinematic Universe television series question was it Agatha all along do you um, think it was Agatha no it wasn't Agatha Michael and I thought it might be Renslayer who seems a right old villain Michael mm. Uh, but it, I don't think it is. I think poor old, uh, I, I think poor old Renslayer is a, is a bit of a pawn as well. So we'll have to wait till next episode to even get an inkling, Michael, as to what's happening there. I suspect, Benjamin, it's yes. a Loki. I, I reckon it's a Loki as well, Michael. I reckon it's a big bad Loki because if you remember in the f- first, second episode, in the second yes. episode, we are told that there are more Loki variants than any other. Yeah, because they're always up to nonsense. Because they're all up to the shenanigans. They're the god of mm. shenanigans, Michael. And mm. it causes all kinds of ruptures in the timeline. And it's a big problem. It's a big problem. Benjamin, that's that's if this whole timeline thing even turns out to be tr- true. I mean, Remember, in episode one, Ben, I said the only way that this could really fit in with the future of the universe is if it's fairly inconsequential. And one of the ways to make it fairly inconse- inconsequential is for it to turn out to be mostly fake. Well, it seems we've certainly gotten the first breadcrumbs of that being the overall plotline, Michael, in that the big TVA power structure that we've come to understand is alive from top to bottom. Mm, delicious and delightful. Um, the timekeepers have no power. They can't create anybody. Um, they kidnap people and mind wipe them. Um, mm. So it does It does reek of a Loki variant pulling an awful lot of strings. Um, including vampires, Ben. Including vampires. Vampires are real. It's been confirmed. Um, so mm. we probably, it, I, I suppose they had to do that, Michael, for Marshal Ali to take on Blade mm. in the future. Is Blade going to be a television series, Michael, or is it going to be a? I think it's going to be a film, film, a filmatic f- release. Oh, very good, filmatic release. I have to say, I'm enjoying the long form Marvel stuff, though. I have to say, yeah, uh, yeah, it's been quite good so far, Benjamin. Yes. Then it's not Kang. It's not I. This is tricky, because go on. It could be it could be a form of Kang. Yeah, but Kang is as likely as Mephisto was in One Division to have Kang show up in Episode Six. And there's only two episodes left. Remember, Ben? Is it only two? I think it's a six episoder. Oh. To have Kang show up in Episode Six and say it was me, it was Kang, and everyone like what it was Kang all it along? Was, yeah, it's it. Yeah, that would be dumb. That would that be dumb. Would be dumb. That would be kind of dumb. Um, I think this this definitely is tied for the most fan speculation with One Division, because yes, every was, week 
There's a Go theory on. roundup. And I'm getting mm. sick of it, Michael. You're getting sick of all the theories. Some of them are real stretchy as well. Some of them are like, oh, it's Kang because we saw 31st century technology and Kang was born in the 31st century. It's like, it's a time travel agency. 31st century is a really throwaway term for any kind of... You or know, isn't it? Or isn't it? Um, but I mean, oh, it just gets a bit much at a certain point, doesn't it? Like, because we, <laughs> we we did our theory roundup. I, I did a little breakdown of the different theories that are running ahead, Michael, there. And the, the, everyone was saying, oh, Loki's being enchanted. Loki's being enchanted. Nobody was being enchanted, Michael. They just or wasn't got, he? Or they just got hauled back into the TVA because they have a nexus power when they touch each other because you're not supposed mm. to ride your cousin. It's not his cousin, Ben. It's him. <laughs> yeah, but you're, I, if you're not supposed to ride your cousin, you're definitely not supposed to ride yourself. <laughs> Benjamin. That's all I'm saying. Benjamin. Yeah. If I met a sexy lady version of me, I'd definitely be interested. If you met a male version of you, you'd definitely be interested, you fucking That's why there's no mirrors in the house. (laughs) (laughs) I've been seeing a lot of things online saying, like, only Loki could fall in love with the female version of himself. I'm like, nah, 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 easy. I think a lot of people could. Uh... (laughs) Michael J. Fox. So, um, yeah. We found out that it's mostly fake. We get that strange moment where Mobius is deleted. He's pruned. Oh, poor old Mobius. Poor old Mobius is pruned. And it's so quick. Mm. It's so quick. And Mobius, which I didn't realise, Michael, quickly became one of my favourite characters. We very rarely get to see kind of righteous indignation in such a calm manner. Mm. Mobius is quietly very morally strong. And he's quite an enjoyable character from that point of view. It's yes. either right or it's wrong. And he doesn't kick up a big hoofah. He doesn't... He, it's not like, oh my God, how can you do this? It's just like, this is wrong. This is weird. Mm. This isn't okay. Yeah. And uh, he has that perfect answer. He gets a great ending line. in episode. Now, he's obviously not gone. We'll get into that in a second. Or isn't he? Or isn't he? But we get that great ending line. You know where I'd go? <laughs> where I was before the TVA took me away. And I was like, that's a great line. Look at him dig that knife into Renslayer. And it hurts her. It does you can see it? It's like oh, yeah, yeah. oh, he got me. He's going to be a professional jet skier, Benjamin. Yeah. Then we had the post-credit scene, which is definitely going to have to be repeated at the start of the next episode. One thousand percent, because it was such a giant bloody revelation. Uh, what the heck, Ben? Yeah, the the balls on this show, Michael. Um, <laughs> the the chutzpah good. on this show. So what we see at the end is that deletion does not end. Uh, in deletion, it ends in in being put in a closet. Michael, I saw one. Does in, it though? I well, that's a fan theory, Ben. Mm, let's let's take a look at the evidence that we have. Loki has All continued right. despite our Loki. Uh, I don't know what we'd call him. Um, let's call him Avengers variant Loki. Loki. Variant Loki. Variant Loki number one. Our Loki, mm-hmm. so to speak, wakes up in a bloody purgatory place, and we hear the unmistakable voice of one Richard E. Grant. A very Richard E. voice. A very Richard E. voice, some might say. Um, What we get then, Michael, is a little pull-out shot of four different Lokis. Quattro Loki, Ben, as they would say in Italian. Um, Which is a delicious pizza that you should try Mm. Um, and causes mischief in your tummy later on. (laughs) Mm. Um, So we we get a pull-out of that, Michael. And what we see is four very distinct Lokis. The easiest one to explain is uh, Alligator Loki. Alligator Loki is a weird throwback joke to the time that Thor was turned into a frog by Loki 
and he went to an animal kingdom and helped the animals with Mjolnir because Mjolnir shrank down so that Thor it, wouldn't be without power. A lot of people are assuming that alligator Loki is a Loki. He could just be a jokey. Like the the young boy Loki could have just taken another Loki helmet and put it uh, put it on that alligator. I think that's hopefully I, the most likely. I scenario. don't care. It, it's still <laughs> a throwaway matter. joke to a Doesn't weird comic matter. book arc where Thor was a frog. Um, yes. So then we have, as you rightly pointed out, we have young Loki Michael. We talked about him a little bit um, way way back when we did the episode one breakdown. Um, we have young Loki who is part of the Young Avengers uh, from twenty. 20- 15 I think um, he's a more heroic character he's a very cleaned up version of Loki he's Loki without the corruption he's also a depowered Loki he doesn't have as much power as adult Loki does um, then we have a character who's been created expressly for the show Michael and I've had to research this to bloody death mm. um, and there's the, there's uh, boastful Loki and we see him holding a big golden hammer Michael um, and this would seem to be a Loki who's gained the power of a Thor or become worthy of a, a Mjolnir of his own mm, or that's yeah go on beta ray build himself give himself a second hammer or just from such a different timeline entirely that thor is more loki and loki is more thor yeah that makes sense that also you know makes sense. you know it's they could just be from branches much further out they don't have to yeah. have started from the same position no they don't because we found out today that even even the existence of a variation. Sylvie gives a nice speech at the start of the the episode where the universe, uh, the universe wants to be the universe so wants to be free that it creates chaos to try and break the the pattern. So Sylvie is a complete anomaly of a Loki, and that's why she doesn't like the name Loki because she never really got a chance to be a Loki. Her mere existence is a crime. Benjamin, there was a very little interesting um, Easter egg in that. Uh, in that scene of Sylvie being young. Did you spot it? No, I missed it, Michael. She was recreating the fight from the end of Ragnarok. Was she? Yeah, if you remember, she has um, she has Fenris. She has a big wolf. Okay. On the, br- on the bridge. Yeah, yeah. And then she has a ship and she says, and Valkyrie flies in with the ship. Yeah. And jumps out. Benjamin. Is she from the future? Is she from the future, Ben? And, and, and Ragnarok is a cycle. Is she Loki's daughter? Because then it's really weird. Is she Loki's daughter? Then I'm glad he didn't kiss her. Because you shouldn't shift your daughter. No, that's bad. That's, that's bad. That's not like shifting yourself in a mirror. No. Once every now and then. Um, <laughs> and that's why there's no mirrors in Michael's house. But anyway, then we have the third Loki variant, Michael, who is mm. none other than Richard E. Grant, and he's playing old Loki, um, or King Loki, as he's commonly referred to in the, the comics. The Loki obsessed um, with being the king of Asgard. Original Loki, ben. original He's the gross Loki, and horrible, gross Loki that we talked about on um, episode a few weeks ago, where we looked at the cartoon and the comic book that first introduced Loki. Yeah, and we have we have a very cheap costume and things like that, ladies and gentlemen. If you'd like to learn more about those variants, go out and check out our episode on Thor uh, Blood Brothers on collecting yeah. issues. Go check that out because a lot of what we saw in today's episode, including Sif's hair being cut, including that. Is referenced in that very comic. Go have a look at it. Uh, we might we might even link our own episode, Michael. Mm. We might even it's like even, falling in love with ourselves. We're going to link yeah, yeah, our yeah. own episode below. I hope we don't create a <laughs> nexus event, Benjamin. <laughs> it even brings on stuff that you've waffled on about in the past. About I was right. Is, is Loki de- destined to fail? 
Yeah. Is that the role of the Loki? I was right. They have that whole debate. I think uh, Mobius puts that to bed firmly by by saying, look, you can be whatever you want in case anybody told you different. I do think the one unearned beat in that entire... In that entire episode is how about trusting a friend? And Mobius mm. just goes, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, we're friends. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> Loki has gone on the run with Sylvie. He spent a grand total of about 25 minutes in the presence of Owen Wilson. And then he's gutted when Owen Wilson is deleted. And I just sat there going, hmm. 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 I don't know if that's anything I'm uh, I'm on board with. But look, it was overall a good episode. But Michael, my God, the ups and downs. It's ups and downs, Ben. Non-stop. Ups and downs. Oh, it's exhausting stuff. It's it's Doctor Who, Ben. It's Doctor Who. It's very Doctor Who. It's very Doctor Who. Um, it's one of the most Doctor Who things I've seen, Ben, including a lot of Doctor Who. With Sylvie being the Doctor Who. Not Loki. Yes. Sylvie no. is Doctor Who. Yes. Um, and it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It works. I like it. I like it. It works. It's good. Um, probably my favourite of the shows so far. Mm. Um, you say that every time, though. No, no, no. I, I, yeah, I, no, because I didn't enjoy Winter Soldier. You were a big Winter Soldier fan. You thought it had more rewatchability. I think this is going to be the most enjoyable of the lot. Mm. By, What's next, Ben? By the end. Uh, more Lokis than you can shake a stick at, Michael. Mm. Um, we're going to see Loki. President Loki. President yeah. Loki isn't our Loki. This is where we've been deceived. Um, we thought, Michael, foolishly, like the foolish fools we are, we thought that any time we saw Loki in that trailer, it was some version of the Loki that we know and love uh, going about his business. But now, Michael, we've just been shown it could be any Loki. It could be any Loki. There could be a whole gang of them. There could be infinite Lokis. They multiply every night until they fill the universe. Yep. One of those weird Norse Eddas. Um, yep. But anyway, Michael, anyway, that's enough of Norse mythology, Michael. That's Very enough good. of bloody Scandinavia. Let's bloody move a little bit more to the east. There, Michael. I don't know if that's right. accurate. I'm terrible at um, yes. geography. Yes, it is. Vaguely, I'm accurate? Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, to the Michael, land of Estonia. To the land of Estonia in the east. Um, Michael, is it is it out this Wednesday? Is Black Widow out this Wednesday? Yes. Oh, we're not going to see it. We're not going to bother. Uh, I probably will. We, we're going to have to. We do a pop culture podcast. Yeah, we do a pop culture podcast, Ben. We can hardly take a pop of something we haven't seen. Yeah, that um, would be ridiculous. But Michael, this movie's been the ben, longest. Ben, yeah, Ben. Unless it's Tomorrow War. <laughs> In which case, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that film. But Michael, we have been in a Cold War. We've been oh, waiting for this film <laughs> for what feels mm. like forever. Forever, Ben. This... We've had our finger on the nuclear button. <laughs> For the longest time. For the longest time. I've got a cramp in my nuclear button finger. I'm still not sure, Michael, this film's coming out on Wednesday. No, it might not, Ben. I, I wouldn't think be... Kevin Feige would be like, nah. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if it's a grand big twist. I have a feeling, Ben, that there's a... everything. Every... Have you been watching YouTube, Ben? Have you been on the YouTube? I have, yeah. Every 10 minutes, Marvel posts another look at Marvel's Black Widow. Just trying like, to drum up some kind yeah, of Yeah, and now here's a look at Marvel's Black Widow from the percent per- perspective of the second assistant grip. And he's like, oh, I don't know, I suppose I held this boom. And then, But anyway, that was a bad joke. There's, there's no room for bad jokes, Ben. We've, we've got to talk about Black <laughs> Widow. Benjamin. Yeah. It's, it's constant. But I have a feeling... In the classic Marvel way, everything we've seen from the trailers and the 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 clips and the 
and the behind the scenes and the character analysis and the what does Florence Pug have to say. All of that I recognise from the first 20 minutes and I think there's going to be a big twist in the middle and it's going to turn into a totally different film. Um, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about this film, Michael. I, they've, mm. they've fucked it. And I've never seen them so spectacularly fuck a release. Um, mm. Also... Well, Ben, I there think, was COVID. I think... Yeah, but even that doesn't merit the level of pushback for this film. Like, nah. could you not have released it on Premier Access? I don't know, Ben. It hasn't been a great success story so far doing that. Premier Access has seen the lowest return on, on the last one as well. Cruella was the lowest earner, despite being mm. a very good film, apparently. Yeah, and having Hollywood darling Emma Stone or Watson in it. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, um, ripping people off against the, the agreed deal. It doesn't sit well with people. Mm. Um, it's interesting how that works I hope it continues to fail horribly Michael and they just give up um, I don't think they will though they've got the money to back that kind of loss every time I think but anyway anyway we're getting into the wrong thing Michael it's coming out this Wednesday there's probably going to be the Marvel twist that's what I'm calling it now the, bi- the big mid mid movie or mid season shift yeah. in perspective yeah um, and we're just going to have to wait for that to happen Michael we're going to have to wait for that to happen and see what comes of it. But Michael, it got us talking and we had this ready to go months and months and months ago. We want to look at Cold War comics. Now, that's a slightly misleading title. What we're actually looking at is Russian characters in Western comics. You've got a little, uh, you've got a little bloody Red Guardian there. Up got above. a bit of Red Guardian you got a little, on my face. You've got a little Red Guardian. Red Guardian Leviosa. Very good. Um, that's your joke, Michael. I just stole it. Um, that, you that's why some, I thought it was good. Yeah, <laughs> explains a lot. Oh, you've got a little Natasha Romanoff. Nice, nice, nice. Um, so you've got a little Russian, little Russian enclave there, Michael. Um, good mm. for you. Good like, um, for you. Like uh, Kaliningrad. Kaliningrad. Yeah, it's the Russian enclave in Europe. Oh, thanks for letting me know. That's a, yeah, yeah, it's a port city near Poland. It's actually quite helpful, Michael. Yes, you're quite very helpful. welcome. Um, so we got talking, Michael, and we said we'd have a look at this. So I've gone through and I've picked out some of the most egregious examples of Russian characters um, in Marvel Comics history. Da! Da! <laughs> Lots of dying. Um, and I've taken a look at the trope and, and where a lot of that comes from and um, why it might be the case. So the first thing we're going to look at today, Michael, is it's, it's that it's not located entirely to comics at all. No. Um, Russians have been the go-to villain for American media and West... Well, not entirely Western media, but definitely for American media for the longest time, <laughs> Michael. There was a whole Cold War, Benjamin. Yeah. In which Americans and Russians were enemies. Yes. And the Americans turned wholesale to the propaganda machine and went for that. And the, the Russians did that too against Americans, Michael. There's a big difference in how they went about it, though. So when Russians did it, what they did was, of course, they put out their movies where Americans were the villains and it was very on the nose and stuff like that. But then they would put yes. out those wonderful posters that we've all come to love from World War 2 and post World War 2 and they're you know mm. the the kind of russian aesthetic that we've all come to expect from propaganda posters american americans did something slightly different it was a far more subtle kind of uh how do we put this tainting of the waters michael oh very um, good and what we saw was the slow creep of russians as criminals russians as 
uh, hard men and cold women. Um, mm. And what we saw in cultural narratives, movies, um, comic books, novels, whatever you like, was the development of a Russian trope. Yes. Okay. Um, that Russian trope in, in informal circles is commonly referred to as Mother Russia. Um, mm-hmm. Because in those early days, all a Russian character ever did, Michael, was do anything for the for the motherland. That was that mm. was their purpose in life for glorious motherland. And they yes, do... we must break him exactly and break the, the Americansky. And there's some perfect examples of that in early uh, James Bond films. Red Grant is a, a prime example of the he's kind of the assassin who is unstoppable unyielding cold as ice um, and he's he's a great willing kind of sacrifice. example of that uh, willing to sacrifice his love for mother russia mm. um and a lot of that came about and a lot of those strange tropes came with it michael um there's vodka there's just mountains of men um there's unemotional brutes there's mm. unspeakable cruelty you know the capacity for that and what that is michael is is a very very quiet damning of Russian people as almost another species of human being. Um, So far from what what American values would hold up as, you know, the kind nurturing mother and the the strong, you know, guiding hand of a father and, you know, the good son and stuff like that. And it completely changed uh, the human value of of, uh, Russian perception. And it's fascinating, Michael. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, my favorite character that you've just described. Go on, is a character. His real name is Sukov Ben. Okay, of course, and he's from the video game Freedom Force. Okay, Benjamin, I'm always talking about the old video game Freedom Force. Freedom Force is from the '90s, I think, or perhaps the early 2000s. <laughs> but um, it was an American uh, video uh, comic book video game. Yeah, back from when comic book video games were not very good, but Freedom Force was excellent. And we've talked about it before, Ben. It was all done in the style of Jack Kirby. It was. And despite being from the the late 90s or early 2000s, it's very 60s in its presentation. It is. And Ben, Sukov is the character Nuclear Winter. Yeah. And Benjamin, he was a nuclear scientist who gets ice powers. So he has, he's a Russian nuclear scientist and he wears a big long fur coat. He's got a Russian fur hat with a communist yeah. badge on the front. Benjamin, he's the, he's got a whole gang of Russian tough guys. He's got a, an emotionless, sexy lady Russian sidekick. That's about right. He's got the best name and character power combination in comic book history. Come on. Nuclear Winter. Brilliant. <laughs> Everything you could possibly want about Russia summarized yeah. in one character. He... Benjamin, he's got his long fur coat. It's open and he's bare chested. Of course. Oh, best character ever created. So he he is everything we're going to talk about on this episode summarized in one character. It's brilliant. He's a perfect, he's a perfect beginner character for that. Well played. Thank you, Benjamin. But Benjamin, the only thing that's disappointing about him is he's a knowing parody of that time. So... You know, he's not from the period that the other characters are going to talk about. Like, he was created post-Cold War. Yeah, so he's he's intentionally stacked up to be... Exactly. This. So... Everything. As opposed to being the recipe, he's the product. 
He's the final, he's the end result of everything stacked up together. In the same way that the lead character from that game, Minuteman, is every American trope you could possibly imagine stacked into one. You know, he's he's Mel Gibson in The Patriot. He's Um, Mel Gibson in The Patriot, he's Captain America, (laughs) he's Superman, he's all of them combined. Yeah, that's a great little, that was a great little game. I remember I had it on, um, I had it on, uh, this PC year as well on the PC. Um, yeah, very good. It's a great little game. I must get that again, Michael. And have a little play of it. Benjamin, it doesn't it doesn't play well with Windows Ten, unfortunately. Oh, that's disappointing news, isn't it? It is very disappointing. We could have done a listeners. let's play. Yeah, for any listeners who are thinking, let's go back and play Freedom Force. It doesn't play well with Windows Ten. Boo. Yeah. Anyway. Boo. Russia. Uh, anyway, Michael, that gets us to the long history of of Russian characters in Marvel Comics. And the reason that we've chosen Marvel Comics is, first of all, because Black Widow's coming out. And second of all, um, it's because, actually, among many of the comic book companies, nobody leaned more heavily into Russian villains than bloody Marvel. They just loved doing it. Um, so the, the first kind of major Marvel Russian villain... Um, to come onto the scene was in Iron Man in 1963 and the Crimson Dynamo made his appearance. Oh. And the Crimson Dynamo uh, is Vakov, Venkov. Um, hang on, let me make sure I have that right. So there's been... One of the interesting things about most of the Russian characters in um, in Marvel is that they change bearer of the title. So mm. you get lots of different heroes um, and we're going to talk about a lot of them here. But one of the key things that separates them from American superheroes is that when one of the peop- one of the heroes dies, they're replaced by the state, <laughs> and their good. their moniker is handed on to the next viable candidate, um, which is a weird choice, but it's an interesting one, and it it fits in with that Western perception of communism and sharing the title and does anything belong to it? What are you pointing at? Who's behind you? Who who's behind me? There's something moving behind you. Oh, that's not good. What the fuck's moving behind me? Someone's behind you. Who's behind you? There's, there's no one behind me. There is. There was someone moving something at the end of the bed. Well, that's after scaring the shit out of me. What? Like an orange thing. There was an orange thing going backwards and forwards. Is this a weird joke? Because now I'm really no, freaked I'm out. deadly serious. Okay, hang on. This is weird podcasting. What the fuck? Okay, hang on. I'm gonna check my room now because I'm that nervous. Okay. Is this a bit? No. Are you doing a bit? <laughs> It looked like like a, a ruler or something, like an orange. What was it Bowie's? T- was it Bowie's tail? Is Bowie Bowie's there? not there? Bowie? <laughs> if she has, she's been exceptionally quiet. Um, That's weird. If you see it again, let me know. Okay, I'm gonna have to get my room bloody saged. <laughs> fucking evil spirits <laughs> scared the oh, shit out of me, Michael. That's weird. There's nothing there. I'm gonna have to cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Russians, Russians. Get back on track, Ben. Russians. So anyway, uh, yeah. One of the interesting things is those monikers get handed on and it's kind of a a weird play on the communist ideal. Do you know what I mean? That everything belongs to everybody. Um, And so handing on that moniker when one of them dies is a common thing. But the original Crimson Dynamo, Michael, is like a Russian Iron Man. He's just a Russian Iron Man. Um, He's just a Russian Iron Man. And the original bearer of the title was Anton Vanko. Um, and that's, oh, that name rings a bell. Yeah, it does. Uh, because they created a kind of an amalgam character for Iron Man 2 in Mickey Rourke. He was uh, Crimson Dynamo and Whiplash. And a bit time. of Titanium Man. And a bit of Titanium Man, Michael. So a little bit of everything there in that character. But the Crimson Dynamo is exactly what I've just said on the tin, Michael. 
Um, he's a bloody good. Uh, Russian Iron Man. That's it. He's just a uh, Russian. He's Iron a Russian Man. Iron Man. Now he didn't originally appear. Uh, sorry, I got that wrong. He didn't originally appear in Iron Man. He appeared in Tales of Suspense as a general villain. However, he then became a key Iron Man villain uh, in 1969. Um, and this starts a tradition, Michael, of Russian spies going up against Tony Stark. Um, mm. and ben, I did a bit of research on this. On. And certainly, although, you know, every genre ever created from the 60s to the 90s has Russian villains. There is no one who has as many Russian villains as Iron Man. And it's really interesting, Michael, and it got me thinking, is that a capitalist versus communist commentary from Marvel Comics? Because mm. Tony Stark is the ultimate American dream. Like he's a He's the ultimate American capitalist pig dog. Yeah. And he's got all the monies and he's good mm. at at what he does and it's American exceptionalism embodied in a big tin suit. Um and so it's interesting that he runs into these things kind of all the time. And then obviously the biggest Russian character, though you'd be forgiven for thinking that, um, you'd be forgiven for thinking that in in Scarlett Johansson's portrayal is the Black Widow. Uh, the Black Widow has been a Russian character since 1964, Michael, and she also appeared in Iron Man for the first time. Now, a far cry from the Black Widow we've come to know and tolerate love <laughs> she certainly <laughs> wasn't she wasn't doing a flip and shooting people with widow stings and she was no. just a kind of sexy lady and they were like tony stark's vulnerable to a sexy lady send a sexy lady and have her go and muck up his machinery and that's what she did yeah and that's what she is she's, she's a honey trap in her original mm. appearance and she actually goes in with crimson dynamo um it's not oh, maybe it's not crimson dynamo uh, maybe it's titanium man maybe it doesn't matter maybe it doesn't matter um, but anyway she would soon become uh, oh no sorry I'm completely wrong ah, I've, I've, on, co- I'm correcting myself on this podcast Michael Crimson Dynamo did indeed make his first appearance against Iron Man but it wasn't in an Iron Man title sorry ta- it wasn't in an Iron Man suspense. title it was in Tales of Suspense Michael and the Black mm. Widow um, then was his kind of honey trap, his distraction for Tony Stark. So Tony exactly. Stark would be off his game. Um, and then would later do fine with. Um, and yeah, so that's how that works. And he's kind of just a Russian Iron Man and he gets the title handed off again and again and again. Most importantly, Michael, and most interestingly, is he's not as smart as Tony Stark. A lot of the Crimson Dynamo suit is stolen from Tony Stark's technology. Classic. Um, because they couldn't be as smart as Tony Stark because they're not capitalists. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't work that way. So anyway, we got the Black Widow, Michael. The Black Widow has gone through so many iterations now, Michael, um, that it's really, really interesting. Um, so what we have in what we have in the Black Widow is is the slow transformation from Honey Trap, um, unwilling evil sidekick to Russian double agent to super spy extraordinaire to Daredevil's love interest, to... Avenger. Avenger. Now, Avenger actually comes from the Mark Miller Ultimates reboot because she wasn't... She kind of popped up in the Avengers roster over time, but she wasn't ever really a central, central character to the Avengers. As far as I know, you'd know better than I do. Gold. Was she not on the... Was she... Was she... Was she not? A, who was on the relaunched Avengers, Ben? After the original Avengers broke up and Captain America relaunched the Avengers, who was it? It was Captain America, Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Quicksilver. Hawkeye, Goliath. Black, 
Black Widow wasn't in that team? I don't remember. Don't I think I'm, so. I'm actually confused now, Ben. You've confused I me I don't entirely. think so. Excellent. That's my goal in every podcast, Michael. Uh, and I've done it again. Um, Very good. So, Michael. Yes. Michael. Um, the, that brings us on to uh, Black Widow, who is now, I guess, at the, fr- the forefront of... Well, was at the forefront of the Marvel Universe and now has a very poorly timed movie coming out. <laughs> Benjamin. Before Phase 4. Yeah. There is one reason and one reason alone that um, Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow is my favourite depiction of Black Widow. Okay. And that it's that of all the Black Widow depictions ever, especially in either animated or live action, she is the only one who's a competent spy. She is. She's quite good at what she does. She's a very good spy. I mean, when she's introduced as Natasha Romanoff in Iron Man 2, obviously all the comic book fans and anyone who's seen the trailers are going, there's a bloody Black Widow. <laughs> oh, look at that there, I Black Widow. Onto that. But it's the first time, and it seems now almost like a no-brainer of a decision. But that was the first time that Black Widow was portrayed in any media without a Russian accent. Yes. So imagine if they just cast Natasha Romanoff as Tony's assistant and poor Scarlett Johansson was going, yes, Mr. Sterk, I will bring you the documents. And everyone going, oh, no. Oh, boy. I wish they hadn't gone with that. Oh, boy. But then, Ben, they've taken a step back and they've done that for all of the other Russian characters in the Black Widow movie. Yeah, they've all got it. They've They've all all got got it. it. I mean, you can argue. It makes sense, Ben. It makes sense for Red Guardian. Yep. Because he's not a spy. He's you not. Know, he's, English is going to be his obvious second language. But all of the Black Widows should surely speak English without a without a comedy Russian accent. They should. <laughs> they don't, though. They don't, though. Um, mm. And that's weird. So yeah. th- that's a that's a pretty good um, that's a pretty good um, segue into Red Guardian there, Michael. That he's been played by multiple characters. Or multiple men. Um, one is Alexei Lebedev. The other is Alexei Shostakov. Shostakov. Um, and the the current guy, there's so many. Um, and he's kind of interesting. He's Russia's attempt at a Captain America. But he doesn't have superpowers. He hasn't got any superpowers. In the comic books, no. I don't think that's true in the movie. In the movie, he appears to have superpowers. I think he probably has superpowers, but in the in the comics, he's he's just a peak human condition. He's like Captain America. No, oh, well, that makes sense then. Um, he's like an Olympic level Russian athlete, and he's been chosen for the role. Um, and he's supposed to be a hero. And they've had some interesting stories with him where he's very conflicted because he's like, I want to uphold Mother Russia, but doesn't seem like the right thing to do. It seems like everybody's starving under communism. Hmm. Yeah, I want to uphold uphold Mother Russia, but doesn't seem like the right thing to do in this American written comic book. Yeah, and so a lot of this has kind of come on. Now, obviously, these characters, Michael, in their initial iterations were just great punching bags for Marvel characters to kind of showcase American ideals. And you'd have speeches like, you, you'll never win, Red Guardian, because you don't have the American spirit. Um, mm. And we got crap like that all the time um, during that time. And you constantly see capitalist triumph over communism. But Red Guardian is kind of interesting because he gets interesting um, changes as we go on. And it brings us on to one of the more interesting tropes of Russian characters in comics. And that's experimentation. Um, mm. There is a version of Red Guardian who was horrifically experimented on. Yes. Um, and breaks loose. 
um, and character, Captain America has to deal with him uh, in one of his many, many story arcs, Michael. Um, and he's a very tortured creature. He's just he's just had an awful time. And that leads us to uh, inhuman experimentation as a trope for Russian characters. So we've seen it step by step. And one of the great myths of, of Russia is that the, the, the government has these inhumane training programs, experimentation programs. They will do anything to get the edge over... Um, over America, the the Americanskis. Benjamin, yeah. what you're doing now is describing the film Rocky Four. Yes, uh, with a, with an old Ivan Drago. Yes, yeah. So that's exactly again a perfect common parallel to look at that trope in action. You have Ivan Drago, who's who's a beast. He's not human in the 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 kind of mythos of that story. He's he's a monster. He is something that can't be grappled with by an ordinary American man. Uh, an ordinary American working class schlub. Schlub, Benjamin. yeah. The real, the real isn't Russia bad characteristics of Ivan Drago come out in the famous training montage. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny because when you're seeing Ivan Drago's training montage, you're seeing that he has teams of scientists monitoring his heart rate and, you know, he's on treadmills and he's on futuristic machines and they're analysing every piece of data and making him the best he ever possibly could be. All things, Ben, which American athletics now pride themselves on. Hmm. Which is funny because in, in that it was sponsored by the state, sponsored by Russia. In American now, it's sponsored by corporations. So you might get Nike to spend millions of dollars putting electrodes on you so you can go 10% faster. But in, in Rocky in the in Rocky in the 80s, getting assistance from scientific methods was considered cheating. Yeah. Now, Ben, they do also inject things in him, and that is cheating. That is pure cheating. <laughs> pure cheating. But the Americans would never knew that. They have special ways of not getting caught. Unless you're in a Marvel contract. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but anyway, Michael... But anyway, uh, you taught me that, Michael. I, I didn't know any of that. Uh, it was they're pretty, all on roids. They're all on roids. Um, in, a, in a rare moment where all these kind of characters would come together over the years, Michael. Oh, sorry. On to experimentation. That's no, different yes. in, um, that's no different in the comics, Michael. Winter Soldier is a perfect example. Um, he is a fusion of experimentation and training. He's brainwashed to death. Um, and he's the ultimate kind of communist victory because he was an all-American soldier. Uh, Bucky mm. Barnes gets turned into the, the kind of mythic figure unless you watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus where everybody and their mums knows about the Winter Soldier all of a sudden. Or not or sometimes. Or not sometimes. It's very confusing. Depending on what we need the story to do. Um, mm. So in that particular case, um, we got to see that fusion. That narrative has creeped into Natasha Romanoff's character with the Red Room. Um, mm. And she's gone through some horrible things uh, to become the world's greatest spy. Um, yeah, that too. Um, the Red Guardian is experimented on. We have other examples like Emil Blonsky, who becomes the Abomination, the original Abomination. People often forget that mm. he worked for the KGB. Um, yeah, he was one of the first Russian baddies. We have Benjamin, something that you and I would both love to forget, the 2017 film Guardians. Oh, yeah. And there's actually a character <laughs> that follows that uh, particularly, Michael. Um, there's a there's a character in Marvel Comics that turns into a bear. He's called Ursa Major. He's a mutant. Mm. Um, and he's part of the Winter Guard. And the Winter Guard was introduced in 1998 in Iron Man Comics, naturally. Um, Only 1988? 1998. Isn't that mad? Get out of the, here. The Winter Guard are from 1998, post-Cold War. The Winter Guard are from 1998, post-Cold War. Isn't Benjamin, I'm going to need you to get up out of here. That's not... That's mental. 
That's mental. That is ve- and I double checked because I read that and went, no. Okay, I'm going to triple no. check. You while triple you spin check your because I'm often wrong. Um, but well, I you spin your wheels. I don't think I am in this case. So the Winter Guard is kind of a, a grouping of all these different characters, Michael. Um, they're a bunch of of Russian superheroes put together in their own kind of Avengers style. Um, First appearance, you know. Iron Man number nine, October nineteen ninety eight. Yep. Yep. Get all How the way out of here. Crazy is that? That's funny, Ben. I clearly read those comics in the 90s and thought this is something from the 70s. Yep. And never it never dawned on me that it was new yep. then. Nope, brand new. Brand new. So That's very interesting. The Winter Guard Michael consists of Crimson Dynamo, um Red Guardian, Ursa Major a lot of the time, and oh, I'm going to get this wrong. Dark Star. Dark Star. Dark Star. Um and they're kind of the the Russian Avengers, um, yeah. But they're very different to the American Avengers because they don't like outsiders, so they're kind of a weird. Ah, uh, Ben, I found out why. Oh, uh, why? Because they all the characters existed and they did team up quite often. Uh-huh. But they were called the Soviet Super Soldiers, and that got changed obviously for obvious yeah. reasons. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, that's gas. Okay, so that's where the gap in my. Uh, my knowledge comes with the Soviet mm. super soldiers. Oh, that's so interesting, isn't it? Comics are weird. Very interesting. Comics, Comics are, are weird. weird. Um, but yeah, and then Michael, I didn't want to end on a bunch of negative Nellies and weird uh, Russian, weird Russian villains. So one of the probably more positive representations, bizarrely, of Russians is Colossus, mm. who was introduced in 1975 in Uncanny X Men number one. Um, yeah. And that's Pio, uh, Pyotr Rasputin or Peter Rasputin. Rasputin, Russia's greatest metal man. Yeah, um, so that was him. And of course, he's everybody's kind of favourite um, Russian character in the Marvel Universe. Tavayich comes out of his mouth every second sentence. Um, or Tavarish, I can never pronounce it correctly. Dasvidanya. Dasvidanya. And he grew up on a, a Russian commune. Um, <laughs> he He represents... <laughs> The side of Russians that America saw as favorable. Yeah, the hard-working, salt-of-the-earth yeah. Ruskies. Big, muscular farm boy. He might be Russian, but if he were born in Kansas, he could have been any other American. What I found out is really interesting, Michael, something to really drive that home, is, um, this is just a theory on it, but uh, what I was reading was, he matches Soviet propaganda posters for that time. He looks oh, course, like yeah. the standard Russian male that Russia themselves would put out. And it's an interesting theory to think that perhaps this was an attempt to not make people scared of Russians. Um, mm. Because they would have seen these big Russian men and gone, my God, look at these titanous men. Uh, how can we possibly stand in the face of them? And then we have a big friendly metal giant mm. in the form of Peter Rasputin. He's such an interesting character. And he, throughout the course of his early career especially, is often found to find America a strange place. Yes, but so are any foreign characters when yeah. Stan Lee's writing them. Yeah, that's true. I, I This America is strange place with your frozen cream. <laughs> what is this iced cream? <laughs> you know, what is it, Tovarish? In Siberia, oh. there is iced cream too, but we don't yes. like. We put in in fire to heat. 
Uh, yes, in Siberia, famous treat is melted cream. Melted cream, not frozen creams. Okay, <laughs> that's the end bad. of this podcast. That was incredibly <laughs> racist. What the fuck was but, that from the pair of us? We were doing a parody, Ben. We were doing a parody of American oh, thinking about Russians in the bad. 60s. <laughs> That yeah. was bad. That's not how any Benjamin. That's not how any real Russians speak. No, it isn't. We know no. real Russians. <laughs> yeah, that's not how they speak. That's not how they speak. We're Benjamin. very sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus. The thing about the thing, we're sorry, but the American comic from the sixties should be more sorry. It should be Benjamin. The thing about Ru- Colossus, though, was Colossus. I don't. This is a question. I'm asking you this, not telling you this. Okay. Did Colossus? think the Russian government were a grand bunch of lads or was he against them? Uh, well, you see, that's that's where it gets interesting, isn't it? Um, so initially, no. Initially, what? no. There are several uh, moments of plot armor where Colossus would solve the problem in two minutes, but he's had to go back to Russia to sort something out on the farm. Um, oh. Because, you know, he's had to go back for the motherland to help the commune or to help the people. Um, so that was quite a... That was a thing that used to pop up. Now, again, it's interesting. The Marvel's Ultimate Universe, which was a giant kind of sideline comic that kind of rebooted the universe and gave it a new shiny polish. Um, Colossus is the victim of Russian gangsters. Mm. Um, and he's kind of been sold into the Russian mafia lifestyle and doesn't have a lot of choice. Um, it's interesting because it's not the first instance where Mark Miller has decided to make a very racist representation of different nationalities. Um, he does it with Black Widow as well. Black Widow ultimately turns out in the Ultimate Universe and spoilers for a comic that came out nearly 20 years ago. Um, Black Widow turns out to be a baddie. She's a Russian mm. spy. Um, well, she's a Russian spy then. I know, but she 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 really is a Russian spy. In but Benjamin, yeah, of course she is. She's a Russian spy. But I think the the key to that is take away the word Russian. That's irrelevant. She's a spy. All the spies are baddies. Yeah, it's true. You know why did they why did they think she wasn't going to turn on them? Her job description says like spy on it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, if my CV said spy, I would be very surprised if people hired me. Hmm. Because you know, bit of a history of being a bit dodgy. Yeah, spies aren't great. Benjamin, we haven't even touched on Yelena Belova. No, we haven't had a chance, Michael, and we're out of time because we've gone way oh, over God. our limit, Michael. This podcast has gone from a fifty-minute romp to a one-hour and ten-minute-a-week gig, um, and it's, it's not. Bad it doesn't thing, help Ben that there was a ghost behind you. What was with the orange ghost? <laughs> um, not a fan. Not now I have to leave some of that in yeah, for the listeners to understand what was in happening. So they understand. <laughs> um, otherwise, it seems like a mental breakdown. Ladies and gentlemen, will you be watching yes. bloody Scarlett Johansson Russia it up uh, with a bunch of, of non-Russian Russians? Um, oh, yes. There's not a single Russian actor. Um, it's a shame there's no <laughs> Russian actors, isn't it? <laughs> there's no Such a Russian shame. actors used in the Black Widow film set in Russia. Um, yeah interesting how nobody's screaming cultural appropriation over that one but anyway um, that is interesting that actually, is, isn't it, it really is interesting Michael that it is really interesting is. Um, because Russia's a culture that's a weird yeah. thing to do um, just get David Harbour in get to, yeah get David Harbour to, to ham it up ah. he was great in Hellboy um, yeah. he was actually <laughs> he was he was the best thing about Hellboy um, yeah. because the rest of it could go in a dumpster but anyway Michael, 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 Michael. The listeners. Yes, wrap it up. Wrap it up. What did you think? 
of all this? What did you think? Huh? What did you think of all these Russian was superheroes? There a ghost? What, was it, did you read the Soviet super soldiers when you were younger? Were you as shocked by the Winter Guard being introduced in 1998 as we were? Um, is Colossus your favourite X-Man? Probably not. Um, Why wasn't he in the cartoon? I know he was in an episode or two, but I always felt he got hard done by there. He should have been. He was one of the original Uncanny X-Men, Michael. Exactly. Yeah, you yeah, could have had a shiny there. metal effect all the time. It would have been great. They used yeah. to have great shiny metal effects in that cartoon. Um, but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, are you going to watch the film? Tell you what, watch it. Give us your review. You can do it in a bunch mm. of different places. If you're on mm. the old YouTube there, give us a comment down below. If you want to find mm. us on the interwebs, we're there at www.shomrabeug.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means a tiny room in Irish. It, it does. You can also find us. You can also find us on Instagram at Your Looks, Your Listen podcast. Yeah. I changed it. It means Sherlock sure Shalisson. Sure it means Sherlock sure Shalisson sure in English. English. Um, you can find us on Twitter at ListenSure. But ladies and gentlemen, all of that mm. pales in comparison to that Discord, yeah. baby. Hop up on it. Hop up on it. There'll be a link down in the description. Click the link. Click the link. Hop up on the Discord, baby. Yeah. And let us know. Join us in a week's time, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to have to ask Mick if he's ready to do this. We'll either have, Michael, the Eisenhorn uh, pitch, please. Right. Or we can do Unstoppable yes. Force meets a movable object, the the powerhouses of pop culture. I don't know. Let's figure that out off air, Ben. We'll okay, don't let's surprise week. the listeners. So it's one of those two topics. Join us in a week's very time. Very good. But a mystery topic. Ooh, very <laughs> Talk exciting. To you later, ladies and gentlemen. That's for Anya. <laughs> ah, good. <laughs>